It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Can you take us behind the scenes a little bit at halftime when I assume the doctors come to you and say, hey, you don't have DG's second half, and now you, you, you're going to go with I'm Jackson. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, i got to get these run fits squared <laughs> away. I mean, yeah, yeah, we got Jackson on, all right? We, first world problems here. And, uh, and I say that I'm, you know, not making light of um, what's going on with Dylan. Obviously very concerned there, making sure that he was going to be okay, uh, that he was in a good place. And then, um, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, give uh, Jackson another uh, level of, you know, confidence. You know, I mean, we remember just do one of 11, take care of the football, make good decisions. Offense going to make it, uh, you know, just like practice, you know, just like Denton Geyer, and you're going to be just fine. Last night's show was a lot of fun. Um Coach Venables was telling a bunch of stories. It was good. Um, it had maybe my single favorite moment from any Rudy show. Um, and I can play it. It's like two and a half minutes long. But talking about – the, the story was funny, talking about Danny and meetings this week, Stutzman. Yeah. About like, hey, once I close the door for the meeting, we're in there for an hour and you better hold it in. Like, no one's leaving. But Danny Stutzman's been so sick, he just they kept looking back and forth at one another, and he's telling the story. Danny's like, Coach, I got to go. I can hear you giggling over there singing, oh, my God, I, I know exactly what's going on. I, that was – I'll, I'll play it. Because, I'll, I'll play it later yeah. this hour. It was that good. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, but I love that, you know, your starting quarterback is out. And, like, someone's like, I've got to go break the news to the head coach that Dylan Gabriel's out. And it's like, Coach, DG's a no-go. It's like, yeah, fine. Get out of here. We're, we're dealing with something right now Defensive-minded head coach right there, man. That's oh, right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that was good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you heard Coach Stoops, whenever he was on with us in the first hour, say that, you know, he saw Dylan Gabriel after the game and he was bright-eyed and, uh, you know, looking fine and, and you know, ready to go. I, I guess he didn't say ready to go, but, um, you know, like he was looking bad post game. So, and Coach Venables right after the game said that, you know, he's pretty optimistic for a really quick return and said the same yesterday in his press conference and at Rudy's. So, I mean, that's what I'm operating off of. But, you know, if, if he'd already been ruled out, I'm assuming that the response would be the same from Venables, and sure. he's not going to give TCU any indication what they're doing at the quarterback position. So I, my my gut tells me that he'll play just because I, I didn't see any, like, egregious big shot that he took to where you're thinking, oh, my goodness, that – is, I didn't think anything uh, of it at the time. Now, yeah. it happened on the opposite side of the field from where I was sitting, but I don't remember anyone thinking in the moment that, oh, boy, that's that that could be – that was right. a pretty nasty hit. Did, I mean, did you guys even think in the moment? 
No. I yeah. No. Not until he went to the sideline and and the team of doctors had gathered him around gathered around him and Gabe noticed it and cut in on the broadcast and mentioned it and then you know they kind of followed the story into the locker room. Uh, no, I didn't see anything at all in live action that would have led me to believe that. Uh, but sometimes you never know with those with some of those shots. It doesn't look like much, and just how it happens to catch a guy, uh, you're just never sure. But again, but, like without seeing some huge collision, I I would assume that he plays. And I know everyone's going to bring up the T. There's probably text messages already about TCU last year about he left with a concussion and didn't play against Texas. Number one, he took a much bigger shot. And number two, he he was ready to play at Texas. And I think he would have played at Texas had the Tua situation in the NFL not been a national story. Correct. Terrible timing is what, Horrible what that timing. was. And, um, yeah, that's I, I think that's exactly spot on. In terms of Friday, um, is there value of Jackson Arnold starting this game and, you know, looking ahead to next year? Yeah, I think there's some value of that, him getting his first start. I'm rooting for Dylan Gabriel to be healthy and ready to go for multiple reasons, but most most notably, one, it's his senior day. So I hope he – because I don't think he's coming back to OU next year. That's my prediction, that he goes through senior day ceremony. So I hope he gets that moment from the crowd. And two, Matt, this team's best chance to win is with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. I know it's yeah. a small sample size with Jackson Arnold, and he made some nice throws on third down, but this team's best – opportunity to win and win a big bowl game, I think is with Dylan Gabriel still. So yeah. I hope you're your, he's your starter on Friday. Well, and, and here's the thing that I would say about Jackson Arnold. Is there value in Jackson Arnold getting a home start in a game that has a lot on the line? Yeah, probably. I, I, you could, you, I think that is is fine, but it doesn't. it will have no impact really – if he loses a game next year, we're not going to say, well, if he, only he had gotten more mop-up duty and that start against TCU, he would have won this game. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case at all, and you'll never be able to yeah. to link it. But I think that should he get the start and we lose the game, it's going to be way more difficult to recover from that. And I, I would like him to be able to come into the season next year with a ton of confidence, a clean slate with the fan base, a ton of optimism behind him. That's just me personally. And that's why I don't love this text from uh, Sooner Soldier. Remember when a lot of us were saying that Jackson Arnold needs to get some playing time to give him some experience, and the so-called experts disagreed? Well, in my opinion, that would have probably helped him on Saturday. It's not rocket science. A backup should get playing time when possible. But if I were to ask... Okay, well, where where should he have played that he didn't play? Because you played a close game at Cincinnati, you played a close game in Dallas, you played a close game in Lawrence, you played a close game in Stillwater. There weren't a lot of opportunities to get him in the game with as many close games as you played. Well, you could have put him in the second half of West Virginia. Okay, you could have. They were trying to preserve the red shirt at the time, which I don't have an issue with. But if he plays the entirety of the second half at West Virginia – I just don't think that that means that he makes the downfield throw to Nick Anderson. I don't think that those two things are linked. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, you can never prove 
I, I thought he did fine against BYU. You know, he he came in in the second half of a, of a tightly contested game that already had a weird feel to it with the way that we were playing. His first couple of series, the field position was bad. He was on the 10-yard line on the first one in the um, the third quarter and not much better on the second one. And then we finally got some good field position, and he operated much better. He had a really nice run on the first series. I think it was the first series that got called back. Um, you know, if, if we don't get a janky call from the officials uh, on that, then, you know, he's we're, we're probably talking completely different about how he played. He made a couple of really nice third-down throws, one that ultimately won the football game for you. So he missed a bit a deep ball. Deep ball is not a high percentage throw, you know, and I know that we had a step and it should have been a, a, an easy completion, but he missed it. Who cares? Yeah. There's well, no way you can you can say that had he played a handful more snaps throughout the season that he makes that. I, I think he's in a fine spot now. Hot Pie says, so you're suggesting that real-time experience does not help a player develop. Of course it helps a player develop. Of course real-time experience does. But where should the real-time experience have come from with as many close games as you played? And, yes, real-time experience matters, but second half where you're mostly handing the ball off in a blowout loss, I don't think it's going to be the difference in making a downfield throw or not. He missed the throw because I think he was a little bit too amped up in that moment. Well, we don't need to argue something that I think we all agree with. Yes, on-field experience helps you. It helps you develop. We didn't have a whole lot of opportunities this year to get real-world development from Jackson Arnold. We had we we were in a bunch of closer games than than what we wanted, um, and a, a smattering of snaps here and there, a, a wasted series at the end of a game. That's not real development. Real development is being part of a game plan, learning the game plan, practicing it throughout the week as a starter, having the constant dialogue back and forth with your coach on the sideline throughout an entire game where you can get feedback, uh, give feedback as to what you're seeing on the field, like all of those, and you don't hardly get any of that in mop-up duty so on on field experience definitely helps you improve as a player but all of it is not the same coming in in a blowout in the second half whenever they're just calling you know vanilla plays is is totally different than where everything depends on every single snap and every yard that you get yeah uh well how we feeling text line about saturday huh uh, to get off the quarterback argument, we got a couple more days for that. How, how are we feeling? Uh, covering the nine-and-a-half-point spread, I got like a 31-21 early week feel on this, which would be a slight cover at this point. That would cover the nine-and-a-half. Yeah. But I'm thinking 31-21. What's, uh, what, what's the deal with the TCU defense that we need to watch oh. out for? Oh, <laughs> um, that true sophomore. Now, he was a true freshman last year. Uh the Williams kid, he played nose guard for him last year. And he's playing defensive end for him this year. Uh, number 52, 
Uh, I'm trying to think. What's his first name? It's uh, Damon Williams, uh, Dominic Williams, spelled weird. He's number 52. Tyler, he may be the strongest player in all of college football. Really? He absolutely destroyed Banks at Texas. Kelvin Banks, the uh, oh, my offensive God. tackle at Texas. He, throwing him all over the – ragdolling him, throwing him on his face, tossing him with one arm to the ground, running him right back into the quarterback's lap. And we we play, we filmed TV today, and on this – on the – you know, we are talking about TCU's defense, and on the defense they were playing just like a, a highlight reel from the Baylor game. Every single play that they showed, whether he was involved or not, he is taking an offensive lineman pretty much off the ground and throwing them directly into the quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's insane. They get to show him how on strong the, on he the is. flex cam in the middle of the second quarter. You think? He I don't know. On the sideline, but he is listed at six two, three hundred and twenty pounds, and he doesn't. He looks like Aaron Donald. Like, that's the build. He's not like nice. a big, fat, heavy 320. He it's, it's he should be playing three technique at the University of Oklahoma. Okay, that's what he Well, let's offer is. him an NIL package. <laughs> huh? Let's allow him to do kicking for chicken for a uh, for a scholarship next year. We can do we that. Need, we need to, when, when they do, like, uh, I don't know if they do the opposing team starting lineups or anything, but anytime they mention his name, we should give a standing ovation, ah! just a roar out there. We'll have to uh, the, be, be loud with the stoops, but be loud with uh, what, what, whenever this guy makes a play. We should like called. there should be some type of a, a chant that we uh, that we have for him out there. Let him know he's welcome. He's incredible, dude. I'm telling you, he is special. Well, this is clearly not the year that they had envisioned coming off a national championship season, and no. it really felt like. I mean, they had some buzz in the offseason. I think everyone expected a, a drop-off from TCU this year with everything that they lost and, you know, what type of program they are. But it really felt like after they lost to Colorado week one, the entire country just wrote them off. And yeah. I, I mean, in terms of watching them live, I didn't really watch much of them live this year. Not a whole yeah. lot of opportunities or really reasons to. Yeah, I'll tell you um... – you know, they, they clearly – they lost eight guys to the NFL draft last year. Eight. Uh, that's a lot. But they still have a lot of really good talent. Uh, Jared Wiley, the big six seven tight end, has had a really nice he, year for him. And he him. used to be at Texas a few years ago, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Savion Williams, the big six foot five six six wide receiver. He's good. Really good player for him. Um, you know, they've battled through some injury stuff at quarterback. Amani Bailey, number nine at running back, is really good. He's a thousand yard rusher. Okay. Um, good player. Hoover has been solid at quarterback for him, threw for 400 yards against Baylor, two touchdowns, ran one in as well. Not nearly as athletic as the Morris kid, um, but he can still move around a little bit. I'm curious to see what they do at quarterback. Maybe we see both guys. I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you, honestly, to me, like, last year 
what they end up thirteen and two, something like that. They they won all twelve regular season games, lost Big Twelve Championship, won a playoff, lost title yeah. game. So yes, thirteen and two. Thirteen and two. Um, they lost to Texas by a field goal this year. Lost to Tech by a touchdown. Um, lost to three to West Virginia. Lost a field goal game to Colorado. Like a bunch of one score games. And if you'll remember back to last year, they they won a bunch of one score games last yeah. year and. A lot of it was off of, like, individual heroic play by Max Duggan. Sure. Yeah, they had the comeback against Oklahoma State, incredible comeback against Baylor. Uh, Their defense totally shut down Texas in a close game. Sure. So, I guess my point is, I just, I don't know how much different this team really is. I mean, they're missing some players for sure. Um but like they just don't have the star power and the playmaking uh, playmaking ability at quarterback that they had a year well, ago. Well, they don't have a Thorpe winner in the back end of their defense either, which I think matters as yeah. well. But this is just another game to me. Like, okay, I can acknowledge that TCU has some good parts to their team, but uh, if OU comes out and takes care of business, if they're ready to have a much better performance than they did last week, they should take care of TCU on Friday, man. You know? Yeah. So this is another game where when I look at this matchup, I really kind of look at OU and say, are you going to get better linebacker play this week? Are you going to tackle better in space? Like, if you do those things, you should be fine. But if we see a similar effort or a similar performance defensively as we saw last week, they're going to be in real trouble once again. Yeah. And that's why we spent, I don't know, five, seven minutes talking about the quarterback position. Maybe we should have spent five to seven minutes talking about the linebackers after last Saturday. Because if they're not better and a lot better, then this is this is going to be a really tough game, man. Really tough game. Yeah. Yeah, I and I don't know. I don't know what happened last week at linebacker. I don't. But we were bad. And that's all of them. Stutzman didn't play well. Kip Lewis didn't play well. Kobe McKenzie, uh, and I'm I'm talking about these guys as a whole. I think each of them had some nice individual plays here and there where they did some good things, but they all had really big mental mistakes that were very very costly in the football game. That cost us explosive plays, cost us you know fourth down conversions, stuff like that. It was it was not a good game at linebacker. All right. Keep hitting the text line. Let's get to some of those next. 651-3439. Hanging out Riverwind Casino today. We'll be back. Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine. The the rush on the ref Tyler McComas Teddy Lehman and in about what 35 minutes or so we'll find out the latest ranking for OU this week in the college football playoff uh, most think OU will jump up one spot to number 13 after Oregon State lost this past weekend uh, something like OU at 13 then at 12 you'll have Ole Miss Penn State at 11 Louisville at 10 and Missouri at 9 
just kind of the yeah. teams around OU. But college football playoff rankings, I don't feel like we're paying all that much attention. We're at least not watching the live show. We'll check it an hour or two after the show's over. Oh, where are we ranked this week? 13? Okay. There are some years where you really pay attention to that show to see where you're ranked. Not not so much right now. It's not going right. on the time. Right. Um, let me let me give you a, a scenario, okay? Let's say Michigan wins the Big Ten undefeated, okay? Let's say Washington wins the Pac-12 undefeated. Okay. Okay? Let's say... I feel like I know where this is headed, but all right. Florida State wins the ACC undefeated. Let's say Texas wins the Big 12 one loss. And let's say Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. So Georgia's now what, 12 and 1? Yep. Alabama is 12 and 1. Texas is 12 and 1. Under that scenario, who are your four college football playoff teams? Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Washington will be your four teams. Florida State really? will be left out as an undefeated, and Texas will be left out as a one-loss champ. Yeah. I mean, Alabama's definitely in. Michigan is A definitely... one-loss champ that beat Alabama? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I mean, I... You're just asking me what would happen. That's not what I think would happen because I do think head-to-head needs to matter in situations like this. But if Alabama beats Georgia, yeah, they're, they're getting in the four-team playoff, and I don't think Georgia would fall from one to five. And then Michigan and Washington would be your other two teams. I feel bad for Florida State in that scenario. I really do. But you know how they'll get handled with a quarterback that's out for the year. I think Georgia would be out. In place of who? Um, I in place of Texas. Man, I just I don't think so. I think Georgia would be your four seed, but they've looked like a pretty good, a really good football team here late. They're starting to turn it on. Um, I just I think you get I think you get a pass if you lose to Alabama like that in a neutral site. And Georgia's a big draw right now. They've been back to back national champs. I think I think they'd get a bit of a pass and still be in. Georgia would not be as big of a draw as Texas would be if they made the playoff. Oh, Texas would be a big draw, but don't underestimate the draw that Georgia would still be as a back-to-back champs. Well, I mean, I know, but every single person that's a Texas fan, whatever, I, that, that's immaterial. Um, I, I don't think there's any way you could put Georgia in over an undefeated conference champion in Florida State and a one-loss conference champion that beat the team you just hey, lost to. I'm fine with that. I just I feel like I know how the committee is going to react to that. Georgia There's no way they could do that. champs, and they, they put them in. Yeah. I mean, TCU got in. I know it's a different scenario. TCU got in by losing the conference championship game last year. So it's, it's happened before. 
a team that takes their first loss of the year that weekend. Well, yeah, it's happened multiple times, but that it, this is a totally different – has less to do about that than it does about everything else. Now, here's the other thing. Uh, there's a lot of football to be played, right? And uh, I know it's I know it's two weeks of football, but there's a lot of this that's going to be sorted out, and teams are going to take a loss, and uh, who knows what we're going to be uh, I think, looking at. Um, when it comes to that, though, like Georgia's resume, I think it's going to come down to Georgia's resume versus Texas' resume. Texas got that great win at Alabama. That's an awesome win. Looks even better the further we get into the season. But they'll have an Oklahoma win, which will be just outside the top ten. Georgia will have an Ole Miss win. What were they ranked at the time? 12, and they're just outside the top ten now. A Missouri win. Like Texas, Georgia might have two top ten wins with this. And then a road win at number 25, Tennessee. I'm just saying, like, their, their, their resume, I didn't think it was going to look good before the year. It's actually not going to look bad. And no, I, just, I know I just what don't, you're saying, but I just it's don't, wrong. I just don't see them leaving out the back-to-back national champs. Well, they wouldn't have a choice. Oh, they'll – what do you mean they wouldn't have a choice? Wouldn't have a choice. How would they not have a choice? There's no way. There's no way they could put them in over an undefeated Florida State there's, and a one-loss conference champ. There is Texas absolutely that beat a way the team that they, they can. Just, I'm not saying no I would agree with it. I wouldn't agree with it, but absolutely they can. No way. Yeah, it's the committee that we're talking about here. Surely I know. they can. I know. Well, okay. I will agree that, yes, they have the power to do that. They can, but there's no way that they would. Georgia would be out. Mm, I'm just – I'm not there on which that. Is a, which is wild to think about. I mean, it's hard It's hard to conceive of, but there's really no other choice. I mean, uh, yeah, they, I they would look – the optics of that would be a disaster. For college football, I don't think they give a rip about that. They should. I don't. Yeah. Well, that's maybe they should, but not. Georgia's won back-to-back titles. They would be going for a three-peat. There'd be a thought of, well, they lost to Alabama. Alabama's the best team, but Georgia might be the second best team. There would still be an overwhelming thought. Georgia's one of the four best teams, and we would be back well, to sure. the same old discussion of, well, how do we evaluate things? Do we evaluate things on who we think the four best teams are? Or who the, has the four best resumes, and we're into like year eight of this it's thing, and we still both. don't know the answer to that. Right, it's both, and it's different for every team. But with that circumstance, I don't know. We could go back and forth. I've already kind of laid it out how I think, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, it. Here's here's what I'll say. Give me all the crazy scenarios. Um, the last year we have the fourteen playoff. Put some pressure. I want the pressure to be in the uh, the boardroom where the committee's making the final decision. I definitely think that whatever it looks like, we're going to have a scenario this year where the people who really want the 12-team playoff, and it's happening one way or the other, but it's going to be, see, this is why we need the 12-team playoff. This is why. Because I do feel like one or two teams are going to get screwed out of the 14 playoff. The 12-team playoff as it sits right now would be awesome. And we'd be just on the outside looking in. Oh I mean, God. and under that scenario, and I don't think this team would get in, but, I mean, you mentioned, well, one lost Texas is sitting there. Uh, undefeated Florida State is sitting there. Mm-hmm. What about a one lost Ohio State to who their only loss would be on the road to a really good Michigan team? Under this scenario? They, they wouldn't get in. 
they wouldn't no. get in. I, I'm just saying, like, there's there's yeah. there's going to be one, two, three teams that have a really good case, sure. and it's not going to matter. They're they're left out. I know it. I mean, it's. I don't know. I'm sure it's probably happened. Maybe it happened last year. I don't know, but. The fact that there's five 11 and 0 football teams right now is pretty crazy. I mean, I honestly think that there are. Now you got to. I'm going to pull Florida State out. Well, I'm, I'm going to mention them like assuming Jordan Travis didn't just get hurt, right? But Georgia absolutely could win a championship. Ohio State absolutely. Michigan yes. Washington yes. Florida State, if they still had Jordan Travis, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Yes, Oregon, yes, Texas, yes, Alabama, yes. Louisville, 10-1, I'm not really there with them, but those other eight teams, it's not, it's not unreasonable to, to see a situation where they could win a championship, and that that's about as deep as we've been at this point in a season. Louisville's, it's usually down to one or two teams by this time. Louisville's going to be interesting because I, I know, I think they're going to beat Kentucky this week, and I, I, I'm, I think they're probably going to beat Florida State with the backup quarterback too. in. You know, I do too, I do too, and you know, and, and Texas unfortunately really needs that to for happen. them, Texas really needs that to happen. Yeah, they do. Texas needs that to happen for sure, um, and you know, Texas would like would like Washington to take a loss, which Washington's got a tough game this week against Washington State. That's a dangerous football team. And, you know, Washington's been getting by in a handful of games. A lot on the line, man. I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stink that you're going to have a possibly a bunch of very deserving teams. Like Usually someone gets left out and we're like, yeah, well, you know, this happened and that's a bad loss. Like, there's there's a chance that there's a lot of teams that have all really good losses. <laughs> well, know? no, for sure, and that's it's just going to set up perfectly. See, I told you the twelve team playoffs a great idea. That's why we need mm-hmm. it. It's going to work out. It's going to work out great for for those people. You mentioned yeah. uh, the Apple Cup. Some bad years they call it the Crapple Cup out there, <laughs> but they're heading in different directions after the season, and they finalized that on Sunday. It was at the Phoenix Airport. Hey, Washington, Washington State. They will be playing an on-conference game the next three years. See, Bedlam, it's doable. They're making it happen. Why can't you, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? Why can't you guys play? These guys are playing every year. Every non-conference matchup, I see that now. See, Bedlam, it could happen. Yep. Uh, Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It can happen. But Gundy, I think I said I think he said again yesterday, like, yeah, it ain't happening, guys. We know that. Bedlam's Bedlam's dead. It ain't happening. D E D We're not we're not gonna see eight or four or twenty seven or ten overthrowing somebody by fifteen yards. We're not gonna see that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's interesting. They may have a change in tune uh whenever they they see that home schedule, and there's no Oklahoma there. They don't get that big boost of incoming uh, uh, fans from another fan base. Better hope Utah's bringing a lot of fans. Yeah. Doubtful. But maybe. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. couple of segments left. 651-343. Now we'll get to the text line next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. When it comes to operating your business, time is money. And the last thing you need is something else to take up your time, like managing cash flow, 
or making and collecting payments. Save time and money with Treasury Management from Armstrong Bank so you can focus on what's most important, taking care of your business. Armstrong Bank. Strength runs in our family. Visit armstrong.bank. Member FDIC. Uh, yeah, Teddy's laughing still. Oh, cause so funny. He, yeah, I don't know if you ever had the exact experience before, but you can at least imagine the conversation that was happening or the exchange there. That's I'm awesome. laughing because I he'll he'll stop what he's doing sometimes, and uh, he'll catch something out of the corner of his eye, and it's like, what do you, what do you, why are you looking like that? Why are you sitting that way? Why are you wearing that shirt? Like, what is that shirt? Where did you get that? What is, like, and not, like, in a funny way, like, he's mad. You know, and I can just, I can see and I can hear it in my head. I've seen this play out before where Stutzman's looking at him weird, just kind of like he doesn't know what to say. And he's like, why? Why are you looking at me like that? What's wrong with you? It's just funny, dude. It's funny. Ah, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, text line, Softball Steve says, I hope players are not overfed Thursday. Don't eat turkey, eat ham. OU 52, TCU 20. He also said that, um, did you hear him talk about Isaiah Coe? Uh, he goes in, he tells the whole routine of what they're going to do. They're going to have a team Thanksgiving meal Wednesday night. And he lays out everything that they're going to do, and then – uh, I guess they whatever they have a, a walkthrough or whatever they're doing on Thursday, and then they're at the hotel, and Isaiah Coe says, are we going to have Thanksgiving? Oh, no. Wrong <laughs> thing like, to say. I just told – did you not hear what I just said? <laughs> Why would he ask him? Like, ask anyone else on the team, you know? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, because I guess it was like after practice when he gives the schedule – and then it's like, all right, any questions? Any questions means, especially whenever Coach Venables is talking, where he's already been up there for 15 minutes, it's like, please, no one ask anything because it's going to start another 15-minute conversation. Uh, no one, like, any questions is code for let's get out of here. And Isaiah goes like, we're going to have Thanksgiving. That's great. Uh, Butkus finalist, the Stutzman did not make that. Jeremiah Trotter of Clemson did. Stud. You had uh, Tyron Hopper of Mizzou did, a backer from Washington, and two other backers from Mississippi State and NC State. I would guess Jeremiah Trotter is the favorite there, but that's just a guess. Yeah. He's a good player, though, like you said. He's a good player, and his dad was hell on wheels, buddy. Woo! Man, that dude was one of the most aggressive like physically dominant backers for a while in the league. I, I didn't watch a lot of Clemson this year, but I did watch one game where he had a pick six. Yeah, and he is jacked. <laughs> Jeremiah Trotter Jr. He is uh, shredded. He looks the part. Oh, his dad from Hooks, Texas. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hooks, Texas. Nice. Uh, uh, Christian Chicago says, I was in the camp that I wanted the Big 12 to succeed after OU left. Now the totality of the conference is acting like an ex-spouse that sends receipts for everything, and I want them to suffer for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Let's extend it out to 20 years in a a, a 12-team playoff scenario. And who knows what 
the sport's going to look like in 20 years. Over under 0.5 national championships by the Big 12 after OU and Texas leave the next 20 years. Uh, well, other than Colorado, no one else has won a championship ever. BYU did. BYU. BYU and Colorado. T- doesn't TCU, didn't they win it like 38 or something? I'm not. Oh, OSU won one in 45. 45. How dare you? Man. Modern era. Gosh. Um, you got two teams, and it's been nearly 30 years. Um, I would probably say under. I don't. Yeah, I, I definitely but, think under. But I'm not. I think under. I'm not sure. Uh, you, I think Utah is about to be in a really interesting situation, um, especially with the 12-team playoff. The 12-team playoff, I, I'm not exactly sure what all the ramifications are, but it is definitely going to grow the, the group of the haves over the have-nots. When you're getting 12 teams in, and that's going to be the focus now, just like it, whenever they went to the 14 playoff, the New Year's Six took a back seat, and the only thing that mattered was making the 14 playoff, and now it's the only thing that's going to matter is making the 12 team. I mean, I, Utah could make the 12 team playoff every year coming up. Like, they're going to be in a really good spot, and that's going to give some teams a leg up, and you just, you never know how how college football is going to shift. I mean, it's always been cyclical. And the SEC's been in a really big run. And I assume that's going to continue to happen. But I'm curious to see what the 12-team playoff does to, to shake things up. Utah is a fascinating program to me over the course of the past 20 years because they've won, before this year, of course, back-to-back Pac-12 titles. Mm-hmm. Played in back-to-back Rose Bowls. They're a respectable conference. They're a Really good teams year in and year out. They've got an identity, and they've got a loyal fan base, a strong fan base. And less than 20 years ago, they were playing in the Mountain West. Yeah. Not even a power conference. That's right. The way that that program's been elevated uh, is pretty spectacular, really. And they were in the same conference less than 20 years ago with Wyoming and Colorado State and UNLV and Sandy. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they've got a quarterback coming back next year. It's going to play his seventh season of college football, and he is a good quarterback. Um, They're interesting, man. They're really interesting. You got Zach Wilson's little brother committed uh, after that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There you go. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next. Stay tuned. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. Mike Steele here for Cavens Group. Do you need help with fire, water, or mold remediation? Cavens is a local company that's been in business for over 15 years in the Oklahoma City area. Because they know you can't predict emergencies, Cavens is available 24 hours a day to help with emergency services or commercial maintenance. Call them at Cavens Group today, 405-573-3048, or go online to cavensgroup.com. Introducing the Oklahoma Breast Center, a beacon of hope in the fight against breast cancer. With the guidance of Dr. Denise Rabel, our team of breast cancer specialists delivers the most advanced treatments for your best possible outcome. 
From diagnosis to survivorship, we guide you every step of the way, placing an emphasis on compassion, communication, and emotional support. Here, you're not just a patient, you're family. Let us stand with you on your journey to healing. To learn more, visit OklahomaBreastCenter.com or call 405-307-2623. Does your banker know your business, the challenges you face, and what makes you unique? At Armstrong Bank, we're dedicated to understanding your business and working alongside you. A true partnership is more than financial transactions. It's support, trust, and attention. This is how we make businesses stronger. Armstrong Bank. Strength runs in our family. Contact our knowledgeable bankers to open your business account. Member FDIC. Black Friday deals are here, and Oklahoma Athletics has ticket specials for all the Sooner fans on your list. Final segment of the day, wrapping it up on this Tuesday. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Uh, final day that both you and I will be doing a show together. We're off on Thursday. You're off on Wednesdays. And Friday, we're just doing pre and post game. So I won't talk to you probably until next Monday. Ohio State, Michigan in the big house. Who wins? Uh, Michigan. Blowout? Close game? Close game. Spreads only three um, and a half. Close game, Michigan wins. Until I can see uh, the Ohio State University uh, win the line of scrimmage battle against Michigan, I'm going to roll with Michigan. I, I do think that they're capable. I mean, Ohio State, it's just been a really quiet year for them, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know? and uh, offensively they haven't been great on the road this year. They're going to have It's to be really been a quiet year for both Michigan and Ohio State. Well, yeah, because Michigan didn't play anyone until two weeks yeah. ago. And who yeah. do they play? Penn State, who can't score? That's right. Um, give me Michigan in that game, though. Texas and Texas Tech, Friday night. Texas, hate to say it. I, I do think Tech's got a shot, but, you know, they're going to have to run the ball really well. Um, and, and Brooks has had a good year for them. Taj Brooks has, has been great. Um, they're going to have to make some big plays, though. And they can't let Texas, like Iowa State did, Hit on the big stuff to the star wide receivers. You got to limit that, and it's it's tough to do. Ewers was good. I'll give credit. He yeah. was good against ISU. OSU and BYU, Saturday afternoon, Stillwater, Oklahoma. <laughs> come on, come on, just do it. I, I would like to say BYU shows up and plays <laughs> a really good game you like can, they did against us, but you know. <laughs> It just always works to where we see a different team than everyone else sees. <sighs> Nightmare and, scenario in the Big 12 yeah. championship then. Jeez. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, if Oklahoma State and Texas play in the Big 12 championship, Texas will blow the doors off Oklahoma State. And you know what? That's what I will root for. Yeah. I God, I don't – you know, it's been – I think it's been over 5,000 days since Texas last won the Big 12. I'd like to see that continue to happen, but not at the expense of Oklahoma State. Sorry. And plus, yeah. if Texas uh, – God, it just, it, it's, it's just an awful scenario. Please just don't let it happen. God, yep. I don't care if it's Kansas State that gets in. Just allow us someone uh, with the clear conscience that we can root for in that game. Oh, nightmare. Yep. I know. I know. Any o- other big ones? OUTCU, I heard, is uh, Friday afternoon. What do you think? Uh, Friday morning. Friday morning. I I think we win the football game, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be a one score game. 
Ten and two, and I cash my over nine and a half wins. I'll take it. Oh, wow. Hey. I had a lot on the line last week, dude. That's why I went so crazy after that Billy Bowman pick six. Yeah, that's big time. Look at you, man. Uh Look at you. Got a chance for it. All right, that's it for us. Another fun day. You guys killed it on the text line. As always, you drive the show. We're just along for the ride. Let's go have an ice cold Pacifico. So finish your whiskey.